by it i feel like by by like immediately saying i'm not one i but i'm not offended if i'm called one by any means i don't find it offensive so feel free hello and welcome to mother mother a new podcast from the mom friends you need right now because this shit is hard I'm your host, Emily Ferris, a writer and married mom of two in Kansas City. And I'm a little sniffly because I have kids. But while Mother Mother is technically a parenting podcast, this isn't a podcast about kids. It's a podcast all about the experience of being a mother, which in some ways is universal, but is really very different for all of us. This podcast is also an excuse for me to talk with a different mom friend each week, and hopefully also an excuse for you to socially distance from your family for 30 minutes to an hour and hang out with us too. This week's episode is the second part of a two-part series on momfluencers. Last week, I talked with the writer Sarah Peterson, who has covered momfluencers a lot, and we took a critical but fair look at the business of momfluencing. This week, I'm talking to a friend who doesn't really consider herself a momfluencer and doesn't fit the typical momfluencer mold, but she's a mom who posts a lot about her kids and has more than 80,000 Instagram followers and like close to 400,000 YouTube subscribers. So technically, she's a momfluencer. Now, before we get to the interview, I want to give one little editor's note. My guest, Britt, and I both said last summer a lot when referencing the summer of 2020. Time is such a weird mindfuck right now, and we're all so tired that neither of us even noticed for our whole like 90-minute conversation, which I sadly had to edit way down for the sake of time. But just keep in mind that when you hear us say last summer... We really mean the summer of 2020. And if you want to continue the conversation after the episode, join us in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Mother Mother Podcast, where the password is tired. The password is a new thing. It's just going to make it easier for me to let in people who actually listen to the show. Uh, You can also find more information on the show and my guests anytime at mothermotherpodcast.com. All right, let's do this. Mother Mother My guest today is Brittany Knoll. She's a full-time digital content creator and mom to three, a single mom, which we're going to talk about later. Um, Brittany blogs at BrittsSpace.com, B-R-I-T-T-S space.com. And you can find her on Instagram at at Britt Knoll, B-R-I-T-T-N-U-L-L. Brittany, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to be interviewed on Mother Mother. As I uh, kind of told you, this is kind of a part two of a series on momfluencers. But as you've told me, you don't really consider yourself a <laughs> I don't. Also, I didn't do my homework. I couldn't tell if I was supposed to listen to part one or not, but I wanted to like come into this unbiased. So I'm so sorry I didn't do my homework. No homework required. I don't consider myself a momfluencer. Um, I just don't like that term personally. I like to think of what I do as like creating content on a wider scale other than just like kids, kids, kids. I mean, obviously my kids are part of my content. They're part of my life. Um, but I also would hope that I can create content, meaningful content that doesn't include my kids sometimes that's still fun and great. Yeah, I feel like it's probably just hard to escape the momfluencer label when you do post a lot about your kids. So people, mm-hmm. I mean, like you, you, you in some ways fit into that momfluencer sphere. 
mm-hmm. um, because you have kids and you post about them frequently. But I also understand the uh, the desire to not be in that uh, silo. I mean, I'm not really anti. People can call me whatever they want to call me, and that's like their choice. I mean, I personally don't label myself in those ways because I feel like there's so much more to what I do daily in my work and my content than just putting my kids in beige color clothing and forcing them to smile and acting like my life is perfect, which I truly- um, Are you sure you didn't listen to the last episode? I didn't at all, but I truly feel <laughs> I know, like kidding, when I'm I kidding. hear Momfluencer, which I wish I would have done a little bit of, like I should have pulled my Instagram followers and been like, when you hear Momfluencer, what do you think? Because when I hear Momfluencer, and this is not anything against people that label themselves as that, I think kids whose clothes always have to match, everyone has to look perfect- um, every picture perfect opportunity is taken. Um, that you know, field trips and trips are planned to, for photo ops. Like I just, I don't feel like that's me. If anything, I'm like so the opposite of that. So, although as I say this, my family pictures we are all coordinated, and I have been posting those a lot. But everyone coordinates for family pictures. So anyway, I, I just ordered our matching Christmas pajamas for the third <laughs> right? or fourth year. Now, I digress. So. so maybe we're all mom influencers. I don't really know. <laughs> you consider yourself a content creator. Mm-hmm. And I agree. You are, you're a great content creator. But you do, like a lot of your content is based around your daily life yes. and your family. Yes. So how did you get into this whole like sharing your life on the internet? So it was totally by accident. Um, like 10 years ago, I started on YouTube when I was married. It was not even my idea. So my I have an elementary ed degree. I was like so anti, not anti, but I just, I wasn't on the internet. And also 10 years ago, there was no Instagram Actually, there was Instagram, but anyway. Um, it wasn't the Instagram we know today. It was not the Instagram we know today. And also YouTube was a very different place. Like no one was making money. So anyway, long story short, my husband at the time was like, let's make videos on YouTube. And I was like, why? I think our very first video, I literally said, why? Who's going to watch? Um, and it was like a hobby and I was just being a helpful, good wife and going along with it. Um, and it really was kind of fun and was like, okay, whatever. So long story short, we ended up doing YouTube for a while and gained an audience and it ended up turning into a business. Um, and then we started getting like sponsorships via in, um, YouTube mainly. And then once Instagram started having kind of a space for that, we did stuff on there. And then we got a divorce. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but um, we're cool now. It's all good. And what was your YouTube channel called with your husband? Anyone can Google me and figure it out. I'm not going to necessarily go there because it just opens up a, like a giant can of worms because there's quite a bit of controversy. If you want to cut this out, you can. No, I actually want to talk to you Probably about Probably not going to share that because this interview is about me. It's not about him. So, <laughs> Would you be willing to talk to me about what it was like going through a divorce that was in the public eye where all these people who followed you were were like kind of obsessed with what was going on in your personal life? What happened was there was quite a bit of drama. Um, there was a whole infidelity situation that happened before our divorce, actually. And a lot of things got lost in translation because I think that when certain situations went down, people were like, oh, this is why they got a divorce. And the, the funny thing is, is like as much as we share our lives online – there's a lot we don't share. And I think people don't necessarily realize that. They think like, oh, everything that we see is in happening in real time. It's not always the case. So it was hard to go through a public divorce. Um, a lot of people put our relationship on a pedestal. And I really will say that was not 
necessarily pushed by, uh, not an agenda pushed by me. Um, I think that I have always done a good job of trying to keep things pretty real, even if I didn't always share all the specific details of what was going on. Um, I never kind of played out this role of like, we're perfect, we're perfect, we're perfect. So that part was kind of hard, but I think it was also liberating because here's what happened. I had the choice to decide between, am I going to continue creating content on my own and rebrand, or am I just going to leave this whole little situation behind and just go back to teaching or go to a new career? Well, the hustle in me said, hmm, what career can I have as a single mom with three children that allows me to make a really great income while staying at home with flexible hours? Also, I had built up this I had done a lot of work in this as well. You know, even though it was a joint thing that I did with my ex, um, I put a lot of work into it as well, building my brand. And I was just like, why should I throw this away just because we're no longer married? Like, I still have a life. I still have my own thing. So I think I did one of the smartest things that I've ever done. And I rebranded and I continued on. And what was crazy is I actually ended up getting more sponsored deals and more people interested once I was just doing it on my own. Um, versus when we were together, uh, which was interesting to me. And then now I understand the whole mom influencer thing because I think that uh, moms have the buying power in families, but companies see that and and that is the number one way they like to advertise is through moms because we're we're the ones that run everything. So I think I was a little bit afraid to rebrand and to start anew, but it was also extremely refreshing. So going back to your original question, was it hard to go through the divorce online? Yes and no. Part of it was hard, but also part of it was really liberating because when you go through everything online, you really have no no embarrassment anymore. Like you're just like free to be like whatever, because when people, you know, make up their own opinions about you and there's all this drama online, you have to go to a place in yourself to where you know the truth and you know uh, what what's going on. And um, I think a lot of people really wanted me to share the dirt and like all the craziness. Um, and I respect my kids and, and the fact that they are going to get older and see this content. And so I never really gave all the dirt. Um, and I think some people are still waiting around for that. Um, or they just make up their own. Or they make up their own, which I also have really done a good job of not going down that dark hole because you can really get in a bad place, like researching and looking and like people are going to say what they're going to say and that's on them. Um, my focus was my kids, my business and myself and healing. And um, I think I did a pretty darn good job if I do say so myself. Well, it sure looks like it based on your Instagram and YouTube and your YouTube with your 373,000 subscribers. Just numbers. It's not necessarily all that. And I will be honest to say, it's definitely a journey because like currently right now I'm in a weird place to where I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? By no means is it just picture perfect and everything's amazing and life is great. Um, if anything, it allowed me to to be more myself. Um, it was funny because a lot of people who saw me um, on my videos and things like that with my ex were always like, oh, you're so quiet. And, and then when I came out on my own, everyone's like, oh, you're a different person. I'm like, no, this was always who I was. I was just sharing the spotlight. Yeah. I was just not able to be completely myself. So yeah. anyway. Yeah. Well, divorce looks good on you. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. It's so great. <laughs> I have heard. I have heard good things about it. Just kidding. Just kidding. So you're now a single mom of three, mm -hmm. which means that you were locked inside your house with three kids for a year? 
Woo, yeah, and I'm still recovering from that, actually. We mm-hmm. all are. But uh, tell me, what was your lockdown like? Well, let's see. There were so many versions. You know, in the beginning, it was like a big slumber party. You know, everyone was like, it was great. Uh, I think in the first month, it was like, oh, we don't have to go to school? Cool. We can just like chill at home. And then by the second month, it was like, why can't we leave the house other than going on maybe a walk? And like, I, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, and how old? You're, I know Maddox, your youngest, is like around my son Teddy's age. Yeah, so he was in preschool. And actually, thankfully, his preschool for part of lockdown was open because it was a private preschool. Um, so that helped a little. He would go to preschool part of the day. But my other two kids were home full-time, Zoom class. And let me just say, we got through it. But I was not able to create content in the way I used to. And I feel like I'm still recovering from that. Like, I know we all are. I didn't write anything for a year. I, I was lucky that I had other skills to fall back on that required less like putting words together because I just my brain couldn't form sentences or paragraphs for a long time. And for me, this is also kind of where I separate myself from the momfluencer world because I feel like there are so many tone deaf people and not at all trying to be judgy, but you know, we, there was a, a pandemic. I mean, so sitting in your house acting like that's not happening and just like link after link after link sharing and being like, guys, this and that. I'm talking about last year. It just, it was tone deaf. And then there was a lot of other really crazy things going on in our country. And so I feel like that helped me just be like, let's be real. You know, there was a lot of Instagram stories where I just showed up looking a hot mess and I was like, why are we going to pretend? Why are we going to pretend like we're not all struggling? Like, I think a lot of them maybe weren't struggling as much as others. Well, that too. But also I think for me, and and let me just focus on me because I don't want to, I don't want to judge or be down on other people. You know, we all handled it in the way that we knew best. You know, for some, it's helpful to get up and get dressed still and, you know, kind of have the same life. For me, that was not really happening. And for me, it was more helpful to just be like, hey, here's the real deal. Um, Thankfully, I was still able to work um, and create content, but it was hard. It was hard because I have a hard time being fake. And so the days where I was like, today just sucks. It was hard to show up on the internet. Yeah. I so. But you you did. I did. And I like you, you do, you, I, like, it's so cliche, keep it real, but you you do keep it real. Like, you're very open about, this is a rough day, or I had a rough day with my kids, but like, let's do this. And you like start conversations, and but you're very positive still. Something I will just say, I felt a lot of pressure to be okay. You know, like, as someone who, whether I want to be an influencer or momfluencer or whatever, people see me in a certain light because I I am on the internet and I do have influence and there's a certain amount of pressure where you feel like you have to be okay so that everyone else is kind of okay. And maybe this is just pressure I put on myself because I'm an empath, but there were days where I felt like people would look to me like, well, what are you, what are you doing with your kids? Or like, how are you mm-hmm. feeling? And I felt some pressure to be happy and to be like positive and like, oh, we're going through this, but still, you know, and I think I'm kind of paying for that now a little bit just because – I put so much pressure on myself to to show up for my kids and to show up for everyone. And now I'm not showing up for anyone. <laughs> I mean, I had a small, I have a small Instagram audience, but I didn't have any sponsors to report to. So I could just like not post for three or four months at a mm-hmm. time. Um, and then that was fine. And that was my, I was not going to go pretend everything was okay. I was just like, I'm not going to post. You did have sponsors. So you had to post mm-hmm. because that was how you were like paying your mortgage and feeding your kids. And so you felt this pressure to be positive. I mean, yes and no. I did have to still show up just like anyone else who worked from home had to show up or else they would get 
fired. You know, it's a job. It's part of my job. I think it, it helped me to, to, to connect, you know, it helped me feel less alone. And I felt, I think it helped a lot of people feel less alone, which is why we were all online. Um, because we were literally alone if we were <laughs> together, but not, a, or what was it apart, but together, but apart, who was that little hashtag everyone was using? It was alone together. Alone, but together. Anyway, so yes, it was part of my job to be on, but it was not my job to be fake. And that was something I took very, very seriously. I will never get online and just completely fake everything. I will not. I promise myself that, you know, and so there's days where I just wasn't on at all. And yeah, did that hurt, you know, the algorithm and all that? Yeah, but mental health comes first. And there's still days like that where I'm like, if I'm feeling like trash, I'm not going to get on and pretend like, I'm, everything is perfection in my life. Like that's just not who I am. Do you, the, because it is your livelihood, do you feel a lot of pressure to keep your house looking a certain way and your kids in certain clothes and like your hair done? Like, is that, no. do you feel that pressure or no? I probably feel it, but do I, do I follow it? No. If anything, I, I look at myself sometimes and I'm like, Ooh, maybe you should try a little harder um, and be a little more put together because I'm so not that obviously like family pictures and things like that. Like, so if you go to my Instagram now and you see our little fall family pictures, oh, they look so cute. Um, I bribe the kids to smile. I, I, I usually do. I also pay my kids side note. I pay my kids when they're in sponsored posts. I pay my children. Yes, I do pay them because they are part of it and they're making money. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that later. Tell me more about this picture. Okay, so um, Audrey's Audrey's shirt, my daughter's shirt, is probably too small because I was trying to find something for us to wear um, that was matching, but I didn't go to the store to specifically buy things because I was like, we have stuff around. I don't need to spend money on it. Also, I was kind of like depressed that week and I didn't really want to leave my house. Anyway, so her shirt's too small because it was Kylan's shirt last year, but it matched, so she wore it. Um, all of our stuff is wrinkled because I never iron things. And I think I got everyone ready like 2.5 seconds before my friend came to take pictures. Um, so yeah, it's funny how things can look put together. But for me, I see the back end and I'm just like, I am so not put together. My house is not clean. And I really have no problem sharing that online. I've actually shared my piles of laundry. Um, I think that if someone wants to judge you for your lack of matching clothes or perfectly curated house – um, that's their problem. And that's definitely not mine because that's not real life. No one can be perfect all the time. I think it's silly that we feel the need to be. So you talked about paying your kids when you get a mm -hmm. sponsored post. So how do you do that? Is that like, do you pay them? Um, like, do you put it in a bank account or you like give them cash? Do you pay them hourly? So it's kind of a mix of both. I definitely give them cash on the spot because it's, it, it helps them be a little more motivated. Um, and when I say motivated, Let's say a brand reaches out, um, like we just did a partnership with Harry Potter, Wizarding World. Most of the stuff I say yes to, I know they will enjoy. But in the moment, do they always feel like taking a picture? Definitely not. Like they would rather go play or do whatever. Um, so I work really hard to not um, overwhelm us with projects. There's times I say no to things because I'm just like, they're not going to want to do that. I also say no to things that we don't use or play with. So if a toy brand reaches out for a toy that I'm like, we don't, we'll never play with that. I will turn it down. So I pay them in cash on the spot. Um, and then I also will put money in their bank account. So they all have their own account. Um, we did a big partnership with Disney World a couple years ago um, that was like some major bucks for them in their college fund. And they know that. And so sometimes they'll tell me when they want something like a new electronic, they'll be like, can I just use my 
money from that. I'm like, no, you're not getting that till you're 18. Whether you go to college or not or start a business or whatever, you're not getting that. So anyway, to answer your question, yes, I do pay them. Um, and I usually pay them per project because um, I feel like they're they're part of it. And they're making money. Like I hope that a lot of mom influencers are paying their kids because it is it, it seems like the the right thing to do. We both live in Kansas City. Um, do you? I don't know how many of your followers happen to be in Kansas City, but when you're out, do you or your kids get recognized a lot? And is that weird? Yeah, I don't. I won't say a lot. It probably happens. It happens in waves, actually, and it's usually in the most random places. Um, I will say I kept everything on the download for a while in regards to like the kids' school, and I think other mom influencers will be honest to say. Or maybe not. I've never been the person that's like, I'm an influencer and like I go out and about and tell everyone. Most of my kids' school, like teachers' moms, did not know. And I'm so proud of this. Like I kept it, you know, quiet for quite a while. And then once one mom knew, then, you know, the whole school knew and teachers right. were like, oh my gosh, I found your Instagram, which everyone's super, super sweet. So nothing against that. But yeah, to answer your question, we've gotten recognized. I've gotten recognized out. I think the only thing that makes it weird is I'm so not a celebrity that it's weird that people even think of me as cool enough to be like, can I have a picture? Because I'm like, yo, I'm so normal. Like this, there's nothing celebrity here, but. Um, I don't know, 373,000 YouTube followers. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. But before we go, I have a question for you. Yes. What are you wearing? Oh my gosh. Do you really want to know? Okay. Yes. So I'm wearing this cute little sweater on top. And on the bottom, I'm wearing sweats. <laughs> I love it. The relatable content. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I'm hungry. I'm dirty. I'm losing my mind. All right, we are back with uh, my mom friend, Brittany Knoll. Whatever you want to call yourself, Britt, what would you say is the biggest misconception that people have about you? Oh, um... Oh my, there's probably a lot. I, I think there's several layers to that. Um, in the work content creation world, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's not work. Um, I think people think that I'm just home twiddling my thumbs and like I take a selfie with a product and then I get thousands of dollars and there's literally no work. Um, so sometimes I feel like people will be like, oh, can you come babysit or can you come do this? And I'm like, I'm working. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> So that's people don't know that it takes like hours to set up a oh, shot. And that's even when, you, when you're not trying to get three kids in it. It's not even just that. It's more of like the back end. I mean, there is like emails upon emails. Like one sponsored post was probably a month's worth of back and forth emails. Like people have no idea of the back end. And I'm not just being exaggerative. Like it's truly like – Oh, I know. I know. It's not just like free product and this. So that's the biggest mis misconception is that I don't work. Um, and then as being a single mom, I think people are like, oh, well, she probably just gets all of her bills paid, um, you know, through like child support checks and things like that. And she doesn't pay her own bills, <laughs> which is very far from the truth. And then the whole single mom misconceptions, which I really had to work through that because a lot of people were very much so like, we're so sorry that you won't have like a complete family anymore. I got so many messages from people, um, mainly positive. They weren't trying to be rude, but like a lot of messages like, oh, your kids aren't going to have a whole family. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, what do you mean they're not going to have a whole family? They have a family. Rude. Like my family is whole. I mean, yes, me and their dad are no longer together, but they still see both of us. And also we're a family. So um, I just had to kind of stop 
worried about misconceptions, honestly, and just do me because there's quite a few. And I'm sure I didn't even name half of them. There's so many. Um, I did like an assumptions little questionnaire on my Instagram just to see what people's assumptions were. And yeah, a lot of them were like, it's it's easy. You don't work. You work like two hours a week. You just get free stuff. You make tons of money. Your house is always perfect. Like all these things. Um, and I'm just like, that's so not true. So yeah, it is not. As a, as a professional content creator myself. Yes, you get it. I know it's a lot, but I, I can see how people think that it's not a lot. Even as a person who um, has worked freelance for most of my life and works from home, people think that I have this very open schedule just yeah. because I don't have it. Well, it's home. obviously changed since the pandemic, but that I because I don't have a quote real job that I'm right. I have free time. It's like I have I probably have less free time than people who have nine to five jobs because I'm still working at six, seven, eight, and I go and work some more after the kids go to bed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and by no means am I saying like there aren't perks. There's definitely plenty of perks. And like, I feel very grateful and blessed. So by no means am I like, oh, it's so terrible. And that's the worst. It is nice to have a flexible schedule. And it is nice that I'm able to like be there for my kids. And like, especially with this whole pandemic, you know, having kiddos home sometimes because of a COVID exposure. And then now they have to be home for two weeks which is a thing. Um, that's a whole other story. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's helpful to be able to work from home. But yeah, it doesn't mean that I don't work. Um, but you know, I think that it's really easy to get caught up in misconceptions and worrying about what people think of you. Um, I have weeks where I'm, I doubt myself and my content because I'm so worried about like, oh, well, this person's doing this. And I think you just have to remind yourself as to why you're here and like what your purpose is and stay in your lane. That's what I try to remind myself. Of. Yeah. Stay in your lane. You talked earlier about kind of keeping a lot of your family life and the divorce details to yourself. Is there anything like in general, like a category or just anything you, you won't post about? Oh my gosh. I made the mistake of posting about my love life and dating because let's just say people are very interested. Um, and I get that. I remember you know? there was a rooftop party and I saw oh. that guy. I remember. Yeah. Oh, everyone saw the guy, <laughs> which nothing against the guy. Let me just say that. Like it's everything's it's all good. We parted ways. And that's not necessarily why I don't post anymore. I just feel like – I don't want to say that it was a mistake. I just I just realized that there are things that I like to keep private. Now, will I ever post about someone I'm dating again down the road? Maybe. Um, but I don't know that I will ever really – like they'll, they probably won't be front and center of my content. Um, there's a lot of things that happen with my kids that I don't post. Um there's times where we we go out and do – there's lots of times, actually. Uh, I will actually be honest to say, people see about 30% max of my real life. They, you don't owe anybody more than that. Yeah. Well, I don't owe any more, anyone more than that. But I also don't think that I fake it to make it seem like they're getting more than that. I think it's clear that, that, that this is what I'm sharing. Um, and then there's a real life. And I think that anyone who is on the internet needs to have boundaries for themselves and for their followers. And I feel like when you don't, it's just a floodgate and there's no separation of your life and what you share. And I think there needs to be. Um, and I feel like I, I didn't have control of that when I was, full disclosure, creating content when I was married. I felt like we did not agree on how much we wanted to share. Um, he would want to share more sometimes and I would want to share less. I'm a more private person in general. Um, so now that I'm in control of it, I, I really am careful about it. And now that my kids are getting older too, you know, I'll ask them like, Hey, do you mind if I film this? Or is this okay if I do an Instagram story? And most of the time they're cool. They're like, cool. Yeah, it's fun. They think, you know, YouTube is fun and like they watch YouTubers and things. And so they're down, but I really am aware. And I ask, you know, because I'm like, I think 
I don't think it's fair to force your kids to do things. And I'm more aware of that now. I think that I, I don't know, as the internet's changed, um, there's just certain things that are kind of icky to me that I see that I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. So, uh, You said the word boundaries a little while ago. Do you get a lot of like unsolicited like advice or criticism? Like how do you have followers mm. who are like too try to get too much in your business in the DMs? Not too much. I, I will just have to compliment. And this is a true compliment of my followers. I have the most positive following. And sometimes I'm shook. I'm like, how did I get this lucky? When I tell you that I really have knock on watch watch it suddenly change, I'm like, ah. But I rarely have to deal with like a ton of haters or a ton of like really um mean people here and there. There's a sprinkling here and there. Um, and you know, I'll clap back and be like, none of your business. You know, I've I've had um I don't know if I should go there on this. You know, I'm going to go there. I go there. had a little self, oh. self-surgery. self uh, uh, <laughs> Brittany and I are – we can see each other on video. Okay. So, yes, I definitely got my – I got my I got my boobs done. <laughs> this is actually the first time. I mean, I, this is not a secret. I've definitely shared this on my Instagram. So I got my boobs done um, over a year ago. Um, and it was a personal choice, obviously, you know, after nursing three children, um, I have nursed two, so I, I, I feel yeah. you. And, 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 you know, honestly, it wasn't really a, I don't like myself unless I get this. It was more of like, I love myself and I'm gonna treat myself to this after having three kids and nursing three kids. Um, girls need a little help and I, I got them some help and I, I, I loved it, but Going back to like comments, I did have a follower get in my DMs and be like judgy about it and be like, would you want your daughter? Da, 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 da. And I was just like, how dare you? Like, how dare you, number one, body shame me, tell me what to do with my body, and also like have this negative connotation in, in regards to like my daughter and my kids. And like, you really don't know who you're talking to and you're out of place. Um, she did later come back and apologize and was just like, I was in a bad place. I was being really negative. I'm really sorry. So that's usually why I try to lead with like compassion and care, even when people are really annoyingly rude, um, because a lot of times it says more about them and their situation than it is about me. So anyway, wow, that really digressed. <laughs> Listen, I want to have a really long conversation about um, co- cosmetic procedures in general, but I feel like we don't have time for that in this episode. But I, I definitely have thoughts about like where certain people think it's okay to draw the line between like they think they get to decide well you can like this is this procedure is okay or this but this is amount of, yeah. of of enhancing your appearance is okay but if you do that well that's horrible and yeah again i'll talk about maybe i'll do another episode i think that you should and let me know because i have actually quite a bit to say and also can call myself out because i think you know previously before i had this i i might have been in that category of like oh, look at her kind of thing. And sometimes it comes out of a jealous place. I know for me it did before I had my surgery. You know, years ago, I remember just kind of looking at someone and being like, why would she do that? And it was just because I was feeling down on myself and I was kind of jealous. So anyway. I've always hated my boobs and wanted to get my boobs done. And that was even before I breastfed. I would just say this would be my only advice. Like wait till you don't hate your boobs. Not saying you can't get them done. But for me, it was more about – I didn't I didn't get my boobs done because I couldn't have lived with them the way they were. I actually weighed it to specifically do it to where I I didn't get it because I'm like, I hate my boobs. It was more of like, if I can afford to do this and I can treat myself, I will. But there is a couple, and I'm this is the last I'll say about this because I'm like, this is getting too long. 
had I needed a breast lift as well as the augmentation, I wouldn't have gotten it done because the price difference, let me just say, was huge. Um, So that's where I knew that it was like, I was fine either way. Like had mm-hmm. I gone into my console and the doctor was like, oh, you need this, this, and this, I was like, I'm not paying for that. So I'm good. Well, you look great. Thank you, friend. <laughs> this is solidified it. We're doing a boob episode. Well, let's do a boob episode. So I want to talk about the influencer space. And one on the last episode, obviously one criticism that many people have of it, and I think it is uh, a legitimate one, is that it is a very white space. Not just clothes and wall color, but it is it – is, a lot of um, already independently wealthy white women creating content, you know, lots of pictures of their of their white children. I have always followed a fairly diverse group of people on Instagram. Um, but last summer, I was introduced to so many more Instagrammers and bloggers mm-hmm. of color. And my feed is so much more fun now because it's not just like white women with their white houses and (laughs) (laughs) which guy is gets old you can say that i can't but i'm so i can laugh this is great it gets old um and i remember uh last summer i guess it was may it was late may early june and there was it, it it was felt a little bit like too little too late but there was a big flurry of people sharing and promoting black content creators and as far as i remember but i don't look at every single post. I feel like that was the first time you had um, discussed race on your social media. Yeah, it, it definitely was not the first time, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, it definitely was not the first time. But I think it might have been the first time I talked about it that much, probably, because it was a time, it was a finally, I was like, finally, people are listening. Finally. Like, actually, to me, it felt sort of like, we've been saying this for years. We as in black people, like this is not new to us. And like, this has been happening forever. I can go back to videos I where, you know, this shooting happened, this person was killed. And I, on YouTube, I can find videos where I talked about it. And I just felt like it was crickets, crickets. So it wasn't the first time, but I think it was the first time a lot of people were listening. And I don't know if it was because we were all home and no one else had anything to distract them with, but yeah, I have a, I have so much. That might be another episode too. I have so much to say um, about last summer and just the whole sharing black stories. And without sounding too bitter, I will just be honest and say it was very per- performative. It was performative yes. on so many levels. And even in the moment, I knew it was performative, but I still took advantage because I'm like, at least people are listening. So, have you seen like a positive result, like a, any long term result from that month? Some. What? Um, I, I would say I've seen more of it like personally just in people that I follow or friends. But, um, you know, brands are brands. And the fact that we want to sit here, I think we do need to hold them accountable. And I will say some brands did stick with it. Unfortunately, quite a few, it did seem performative. And now, you know, they're always going to use whatever is popular in the moment. That's branding. That's advertisement. I hate to say it, but like I think people that were truly were not aware at all and lived in a bubble are now somewhat aware, whether they want to acknowledge it or not, are like at least a little bit more awakened. Um, But it sucks because the algorithm really, and this goes for a lot of platforms, YouTube, Instagram, um, it doesn't promote diversity because what it does is it'll feed you what you watch and what you like. So if you are a sheltered, and I don't mean this offensively, but a, 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 a white mom, and all your friends are white, and everyone you interact with is white. And I'm obviously not talking about you. I'm talking in general. Um, 
and then you're on Instagram and everyone you follow is white and everyone in your feed, that's what Instagram is going to feed you. So will my page pop up to you? No. And same with YouTube, what you watch is what is going to show up for you. So at the end of the day, the algorithm is against people of color in general. And and I don't mean that in a harsh way. It just is. Like, I'm not going to pop up in a, um, a for you page as often as a blonde white woman would because right. my content is not going to be as viewable as hers would be. Now, do you have an idea of your demographics? My demographic is mainly women. It's like 95%. I think – I don't even know who the 5% that tracks. of I mean, men are. That, yeah. Yeah, mom life. But yeah. Maybe you got a few more men after your boob job. <laughs> I think that if I did more like booby posts, I would probably get a different demographic, but that's just not me. If the algorithm keeps burying me, I don't know. I I keep, I have this reel in my head, this funny reel, and I'm digressing, but like of me being like, oh, my views are bad. And so then it's just like a blur where I'm just like, I guess I got to take my clothes off. Um, That's, that's my, that's my end game. Brit's boob tube. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, there is a different platform for that now. Um, I'm not on it, but um, anyway. Not yet. Oh my gosh, you just asked me something. Oh, we were talking about um, do you feel like you have a good mix, like a like a diverse mix of followers? I would say a large portion of my followers are black women, which I absolutely love. And I got a few more white women <laughs> from last summer. Um, and then, you know, just a sprinkling here and there. But yes, yeah, my main it's mainly black women is my demographic. Mm-hmm. When you create content, do you feel like you're creating content for Black followers or you're just creating content and whoever comes to follow is going to get to enjoy it? It dep- Yeah, I think that's generally what it does. I mean, it, I, I'm a Black woman, so by no means do I shy away from that. But I do feel like Black content creators are sometimes seen as educators like we like and this is something that I kind of had to address like a year ago because white women can get on YouTube and Instagram and they can just be them they can be Brooke or Jennifer or whoever no one is expecting them to educate or do any of that even though they probably should um yes black content creators are always always expected to speak on issues to talk about their hair to give tutorials and by no means am I anti that I think I actually spent a lot of time feeling that pressure of like, I need to educate, I need to educate. And last summer, I kind of realized this is not my job to constantly no. be the one doing this. And it's an unfair burden to put on people who are already like bearing the burden of systemic racism. Exactly. And also I can create content and it doesn't all have to be centered on being black. Now, I love being black and I love sharing my blackness and I love all of that, but I also am Brittany aside from that as well. And um, I don't know how to explain it, but I think there was just kind of a moment where I just, it clicked for me and I was like, um, I love my black followers. And I mean, yeah, when I share certain things, I do feel like, yeah, this is a black thing, <laughs> you know, cause I'm black. So obviously that is, I was posting a video about cooking and I was like, we all know that we season our food as we go, even though um, I'm not sharing all the seasonings. We know that, right? And I got so many messages from my followers that were like, "This is a, that's a black thing. Like, that's us black people. Like, some people don't know that, you know? And so I don't know. I, I love that I have that relationship with my followers where it does feel kind of like girlfriends or um, our own little community. And I have plenty of white followers too, and I hope that they always feel included as well. I think everyone hopefully feels inclusive in my content. But I am black, so I mean, yeah, I'm going to be black. <laughs> Do you feel like you are welcome in that predominantly white influencer space? 
Mm, not at all. Uh, I actually I don't know how to answer that because I feel like actually I shouldn't say not at all. I definitely have um, there are friends that are in that space. White friends I have who are have huge pages and they've worked. They've done a good job of being like we need to do better guys. Like we need to share more. Um, and they've really taken that on. But as a general rule, wow, how do I even say this? I definitely think that it, it's, yeah, I'm an outsider. And I feel like that in the white mom space a lot. Like I actually was thinking about this the other day when I took my kids to the park and there was a giant group of white moms that all knew each other. And granted, I didn't know them and I was, you know, I'm an introvert, so I'm down to do my own thing. But I could tell that they like saw me there, but they just were like, we're just not necessarily comfortable, like including her. And so I would just, I would say I feel that also in the influencer space. Because I feel like there's two spaces in the mom world. There's like the I'm perfect mom, I'm perfect. And then there's like the bashy moms that are like, life sucks. And I'm not, I'm not going to say it doesn't suck. And they're like the complete opposite. And so I'm like, is there a middle ground? Like, is there an in-between where maybe being positive, it's not toxic, but then maybe there also isn't this whole group of like, can you be both? Can you be like positive and also real? Can you have a post about you looking cute with your kids and then also a post where you look like crap? Like, can there be both? You know what I mean? I feel like it's just so polarizing. I think you do both really well. And I think that that demographic you're talking about falls under the wine mom, <laughs> yes. which also is a, is a white woman, let's be honest. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and part of those are fun. You know, there's days where being, I mean, there's so many days where being a mom is like crabby. Let's be honest. It is. Like, I, just, I, wrote a, I wrote something a couple of years ago that I was just like, let's cool it with the mommy wine. And I'll, I'll share it in yeah. the in the show notes because I just think that repeatedly publicly, even if you're joking, yeah. repeatedly like blaming your alcohol habit on your children is not going to be good for their psyche uh, yes. when they go to therapy in 15 years. This is true. Just yes. be like, I'm I am a grown ass woman and I want to have a glass or three of wine. Yeah. Yes. And I just, and, I just and, don't like the blaming. Yeah. That the it's wine. always your kids. I mean, there are definitely days where I'm like, this is this has been a stressful day, but also whether you have a hard day or not, your kids didn't necessarily. My daughter's actually said this to me before. I didn't. I I didn't ask to be born, mom. So I'm sorry that you're having a rough day. She's nine and like knows more about the world than I do. She's like, I'm sorry you're having a rough day, but I I mean honestly, it's not really our problem. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You did not ask to be born, and that was. Kids are very smart now. Thank you, internet. <laughs> Hopefully, they're going to save us all from this hellscape we've created on earth. Uh, have you thought about what kind of content other than Brit's boob tube uh, that you'll create once you're either whether your kids decide they don't want to be in pictures or they are too old or you just like don't want to do mom content anymore? What What are you going to do? Oh, man, I have so much to say on that. So first and foremost, I do share my kids and I do share like because that's what we're doing. That's my life. But by no means do I feel pigeonholed as I can't create my content without my kids. I can 1,000% create meaningful, amazing content without my kids. And actually, I do because they're in school most of the time, and I'm not going to try to – Those Disney dollars are gone when, you're, when your kids are – I can get Disney on my own, girl. <laughs> uh, to be honest, um, TBH. 
No, I, I don't want to sound cocky, but I definitely have always had um, a view of, yes, my kids are part of things. And yes, you know, if the sponsorship fits and it's kid related, cool. But do I feel like I cannot do my job without my kids? Absolutely not. Also, this is not a forever job. Um, and I am looking forward to doing more in the film industry Ooh. and um, not that kind of film. I wasn't thinking that. Which is so sad because as women, that's instantly what people think because there aren't enough women in film, specifically not enough black women in film. And when I say film, I mean behind the camera, not in front of it. I am really – YouTube and editing has showed me that I enjoy creating. I enjoy editing. I enjoy – all that stuff. So um, film school is probably in the future for me. And yeah, this is not a forever thing. And I also, I feel like it's it, when it starts to feel forced, um, then we don't do it anymore, which is why I haven't really posted on my YouTube. What moms do you follow on Instagram that uh, my listeners should start following? Okay. So one of my friends, I love her name and I've known her personally for years. April Athena Seven. She is hilarious. I guess you can call her mom influencer, but she's also just so genuine. And when you go on her page, you you feel that one thousand percent that she is like not faking it. So I love her. Um, this is a smaller account. I just found her. Samantha in person is her Instagram, and she's just like this organic, but like very real, raw mama. And she Ooh, and just, she's got tattoos. She's got like tats. It. She just her stuff is just like I'm just like cool. You're cool. You're real. I love it. Um, so oh, she I is very her. cool. I'm following her right now. She is very cool. Okay, next up is oh, I love her. Um, her Instagram is Shay Moan S H A Y M O N E. Um, Shay Sweeney is her name, and she's just goals. Like her stuff is just like gold. following. So I love her, and she's part of um, a group of Black influencers called Influencing in Color, and they are just goals. Like I, they're my imaginary friends. Well, not imaginary, oh. but we're we're best friends in real life. And it's three of them: it's Nikki, Megan, Shane, Brandy. They all have their own separate Instagrams, but together they have this Instagram called Influencing in Color. And when I when I tell you that they their posts and their stuff is just like what. Um, Following. Yeah, they have worked hard to get where they're at. And and I will be honest with you, as a black influencer, you have to work a lot harder and it is not easy to be seen. So that they're a group that I love. And then within that group, I follow all of them separately too. Um, one more, Simply Sin, Cynthia Andrew. So it's Simply and then C-Y-N. She's a New York blogger, content creator, and girl, when I tell you, she is the perfect mix of- I want all of her clothes does her own thing. But then she also has these two gorgeous, delicious twin baby boys that are just like, oh my gosh. Like they- Oh my God. I'm I'm in love with her feet already. She is magnificent. She does no wrong. I absolutely am inspired by all of her posts. And she does a great mix of like elevated, but also real life. Like, so in her story, she'll talk about like life with twins and like she travels with her twins and she's like big on, she was big on traveling before she had them. And so she's like, I'm not going to stop, even though it's hard to travel with kids. And she shares all of that. Her style is impeccable. Everything she does. I'm just like, I love you. I love you. I love you. So she, I enjoy following her. Um, I've been on her, on her grid for 30 seconds and I'm already obsessed. Isn't it so inspiring? I'm just, and she's Oh my gosh, got drop dead gorgeous. I have a whole list, but I'll just stop with that. Like those are a few. I, I enjoy great. the inspo, but I also I think I do tend to lean towards following people that kind of think like I do, where it's like, hey, we're gonna show elevated and cute and cool, but we're also gonna talk about real stuff. So 
Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love that you do that. Okay. So all of the places people can find you on the internet. Okay. <laughs> Instagram is main. This is the main one. I'm on there probably more than anything. I'm Brit Nolan there, B-R-I-T-T-N-U-L-L. Um, I am on YouTube at, and my YouTube is Brit's Space. So B-R-I-T-T-S and then Space, S-P-A-C-E. And then I also have my blog that I have not put anything on since May. But if you want to go on there and see all the, the past posts, um, BritSpace.com is my blog. And then, girl, I'm trying with TikTok. Brittany, thank you so, so much for talking to me about um, all things influencing, content creating, maybe momfluencing, even though we're not technically calling you a momfluencer. You are a mom and you influence. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Talk soon. Yeah, I'm working, making money. I'm just I love Brit. I hope you loved Brit. And if you weren't following her before, I hope you are now. As I mentioned in the intro, I did have to cut a lot of our interview for the sake of time. But if you want to continue the conversation, you can join us in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash mother mother podcast, where the password is tired. Because damn, we are. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to Mother Mother. If you're loving the show, please, pretty please, tell your mom friends, either on social media or in real life. And please also rate and review Mother Mother on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The more people listen, the more time I can spend creating episodes for you. You can always find more information about the show, my guests, and the people and products we mentioned on every episode at mothermotherpodcast.com, or you can also leave me a voicemail. I'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Mother Mother. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Our theme song, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, is performed by the amazing Jocelyn McKenzie with Harry Bowles. Bye. Mother, mother, can you hear me? Sure, I'm sober. Sure, I'm sane. Life is perfect. Never better.